Thank you, Jesus. I feel a release to do what I, I need to do this morning, or I feel a release to preach this morning. So if you'll allow me, I'm going to. The presence of God is in this building. I like what I feel, and I feel what I like. Amen. I love being in God's house. I love being in God's house, and I love being with each and every one of you. Thank you for being here this morning. I will say it again as you turn with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. If you're here this morning and you have questions, I'd love to talk to you. If you would like a Bible study, we have free, everybody say free. We have free Bible studies. And you, we, can, we can do several different kinds. We can do a, an easy 30-minute Bible study. We can do a 12-weeker. Amen. We'll have a good time exploring the Word of God. And, and uh, so if you have questions... I'd love to talk to you. Maybe it's a 15-minute it's a moment that we have, and, and, and maybe that leads to more questions. That's fine. I'm okay with that. The thing is, the first, first way you learn more about the Word of God is being in the house of God. Amen. Amen. That's easy. We do that three times a week, right? And so that's a, that's a first way, but if there are some statements that are being made that you don't understand, that's okay. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to... We have an opportunity to teach and talk about the Word of God and explore the Word of God together. I will go ahead and warn you, I do not, I do not teach, I do not teach United Pentecostal Church Bible studies. I don't do it. I teach Bible studies. I use King James Version. I don't know if that's you want to do a different one. Okay, that's you. But that's I don't I'm not I'm not teaching anything that's a mantra of an organization. I thank God for the United Pentecostal Church. I'm a member of that, and I'm excited to be a part of something bigger. But, but I, don't teach, I teach Bible studies to explore the Word of God. And that's what I want to do with you. If you have any questions or concerns, we need to get together. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 41. <clears throat> Before I go any further, I do want to say I'm going to stop right here and just say I give honor to this music team. <coughs> Excuse me. They are doing an incredible job. They get a little nervous when my wife doesn't show up. And um, she is, she's not skipping out. She's home, sick, or she's home with a sick kid. And uh, so half of our clan is out. But uh, I appreciate Brother Lance, Sister Ashley, and Sister JC and all they do. This music team practicing and all they do. They help us get into the presence of God. They're not here to entertain us. They're not here to be... Uh, do a talent search and do a talent show and show us what they can do. They're here to enter, entertain the presence of God and help us get to that place in God. And I thank them today. First Kings 18 verse 41 says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. <clears throat> and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. He went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind. Oh, and there was a great rain. I, I, again, I, I feel a release to go ahead and do this, so I'm not...
trying to kill any kind of spirit. But I want to build on what we already feel. What we've already experienced this morning. What we've already experienced over the last several weeks here at Calvary. But I want to preach to us today. I'm going to talk to the church this morning. I've come to preach cloudy with a chance of revival. Cloudy with a chance of revival. Elbow your neighbor and say, it's cloudy, El. (coughs) But good things are coming. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. (coughs) Excuse me. I apologize. It never fails. You get up to preach, you get a catch in your throat. (coughs) Well, glory. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, I want to go slow here right at first. Don't everybody go to sleep on me all at once. But just so we're aware, I want to talk to you a little bit about what revival really is. Now, we, we pray about it every service. Lord, give us revival. We, we talk about it in our songs and in our sermons. Evangelists come in and say, God wants to give this church revival. And, and most of us get excited about it. And we, we, we take a lap, kick the sheetrock in, hang from the chandeliers, and try to back walk on the chairs. We do all of it, okay? We get excited when that happens. But none of us really know what revival is. It's just stuff we say. So what is revival? Well, the first place I went, because I'm not very smart, I went to the book of Webster. Is that okay? I hope I didn't hurt nobody. I'd still look up stuff in the dictionary. The, the, or the, the, the dictionary tells us that revival is the act or instance of reviving. Well, again, I'm not very smart, so I had to look up what reviving meant. Reviving means to return to life. So revival is the act or the instance of returning something to life. It means to make something alive again. (coughs) Revival comes in three different ways, folks. (coughs) Excuse me, I apologize. (coughs) Revival comes in three different ways. The first way is a revival of the saints. Everybody say, that's me. Revival is a reviving or a making alive of the saints. I've been in some churches, believe it or not, that if the rapture took place, they would go first. Because the dead in Christ always rise first. Y'all laughing, it's true. The dead in Christ going to rise first, they gone. The first aspect or the first avenue of revival. I would almost call it the first stage, although I've learned that God doesn't need you and I as saints to get on fire for Him in order for Him to have revival. He wants us involved. The goal is for the church to be the beginning of revival. The goal is for the saints to get uncomfortable with where they are and get out of complacency. And to be made alive in the Spirit again. That's the first way. And I just want to say I'm thankful for the revival that's happening in the saints today. I got folks coming to me and and, and volunteering for stuff. And I'm like, where have you been? We got folks excited here at Calvary. We've got folks that are ready to see God do things. I'm thankful for that. The second way or the second avenue of revival is what I will call a revival of backsliders. That's not a derogatory term. 
But if you're unchurched today, if you've never heard that term, what that means is someone who once lived for God, but they have walked away. They don't attend church. They don't believe in God anymore. Maybe they still do, but they don't participate. They don't have a relationship with Him. They once had a relationship, but now they don't. They, they are what we call backsliders or prodigal sons and daughters. People that have walked away from what they know to be true. They have now been tempted or they've, they, they've allowed the enemy to give them a lie and they've walked away from that. I believe that in this last day and hour, God wants a revival of prodigal sons and daughters. I be, I'm convinced... That God is going after them. I don't care how bad they may be or how lost you think they are. God is going to pig pens for prodigals. God's going to the pig pen for prodigals. It's not just them coming to themselves, ladies and gentlemen. The truth of the matter is Jesus Christ is going to where they are. He is wakening, shaking, shaking them and moving on them because He understands. He knows this is wrapping up and He wants to see them saved. So God is sending a revival of backsliders. I will go ahead and tell you, if you're sitting here today and you, you, you have a lost child, a lost grandchild, you have somebody connected to you that's walked away from truth, don't you dare stop praying. Don't you dare stop witnessing. Daddy, let me go ahead and tell you, the prodigal son may be in the pig pen. Don't sell the farm and keep feeding the calf. Don't sell the farm and keep feeding the calf. I said don't sell the farm and keep feeding the fattened calf. Because one day if you'll just keep on, they're coming home. God wants to send a revival of backsliders. And the third avenue of revival is a harvest of souls. These are people that don't know who Jesus is. They've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They have no relationship with Him. And God is pulling for people who don't know who He is. He's reaching for those folks. God is doing it. Uh, I'm connected to too many people. In fact, uh, uh, we've got a missionary coming. It's in my announcements, but we have a missionary coming next Sunday. You want to be here next Sunday night, the 13th. We've got a missionary coming. Uh, he's actually out of Japan. Does a lot of evangelism in Asia. He was in Gilmer, Texas this last Sunday night. A week ago today. <clears throat> he was in Gilmer. To, actually, no, I apologize. It was Wednesday night. It was Wednesday. I talked to him Thursday. So Wednesday night. Wednesday night. A man in his 70s. 72 years old. After When he got done preaching, a man 72 years old came to the altar. And they laid hands on him. And immediately God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now that's pretty cool, right? Here's the really cool part. The man has been raised in church. He's lived on a Pentecostal pew. He started seeking the Holy Ghost when he was seven years old. Okay? For whatever the reason, he never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We got a lot of different things. I got a lot of different theories of why that's possible. Come see me after it if you have questions. We're not going to get into that. But for 65 years, he got married in the church. He stayed faithful to church. Paid his tithes. Went every Sunday, every Wednesday, faithful to the house of God, faithful to the work of God, raised his family in church. Uh, he's got grandkids now, never received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But God reached down on a Wednesday night in Gilmer, Texas, and something clicked within that man, and he came to an altar after 65 years of seeking the Holy Ghost, and God said, I think it'll be now. And God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Hey, my friend, God is doing it today. Hallelujah. 
I want you to be clear about where I stand on the issue. It is the will of God for the church of the living God to have revival. I don't, I don't buy the theology or the stance that we're just to endure until Jesus comes. That verse, Matthew 24, 13, I, I get it. I get what he said, but it's been taken so far out of context, it makes me mad. Because too many times, our mentality is, I just got to hold on. I just got to survive until he comes back. And while there are situations where that is true... Some of you are going through situations. You don't feel God. You, you're, you're discouraged. My friend, endure until he comes. Just keep holding on. But the church has got to get out of the mentality of survivor mentality. God didn't call the church to survive. God called the church to thrive. Because if you because the Bible, the very next verse, Psalm 24, uh, Matthew 24, 14 tells us that it, after you endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Verse 14 tells us that at the end time, the gospel shall be preached for a witness to all. Everybody say all. all. To all nations. That means every language, every skin color, every tongue, every, every ethnicity, every demographic is going to hear the salvific message of the cross. Meaning God's not going to throw away the, the, the game. He's not going to just sit out until, well, it just looks like we've lost and we're just going to sit it out and just survive. No, God said, I'm going on the offensive in the last days. Souls are going to be saved. And Calvary, hear me today. We are in a powerful place called revival. We have prayed for it. We have asked God to move. We have asked God to work. We have fasted for it. We have believed Him for it. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you if you're wondering, revival's not coming. Revival is here in Alto, Texas today. Revival's here, folks. It's not just coming. It's not showing up next year or next month. Revival is happening as we speak. God is moving in our, in our midst. He is working. He is stirring. He is doing great things. People are being revived. The Spirit of God is working. Oh, and if you really need an answer, if you're really wondering if God's moving, I know He's moving because the enemy's scared to death. <laughs> Some of you know because you've been fighting Him. The reality is the enemy uh, will do everything he can to stop the work of God. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, sweetheart, the same Bible that tells me if I endure to the end, I shall be saved. And that the gospel is going to be preached in all the world. Uh, all of that, the same Bible, in fact, the same book says uh, in Matthew 16 that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So though the enemy may come against the church, though the enemy may come against your family, though the enemy may come against your marriage, though the enemy may come against your body, the truth is the gates of hell shall not prevail. I'm excited. I'm thankful. My mind's been blown this week. Just some of the things that conversations my wife and I have talked about. I'm believing. I'm feeding off of what Brother Story said Sunday. He's got me a little scared. Because he said a hundred in less than three years. Folks, we, where are we going to put them? We'll cross that bridge when we get here. They may be sitting in your lap. We don't know. We'll, fit, we'll cross that bridge. But that's, I mean, those are, the, those are the conversations I'm having, I'm having now. Three years ago, I looked at my wife and said, I'm about done. Now I'm going, I'm about ready to build. 
Oh, y'all think I'm crazy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's too much radical faith. Let me keep going. Okay. The reality is God is working and I'm excited about it. But I need us to understand something. That where we are right now, March 6th, 2022, look around you. Where we are right now is not the end game. This isn't the final inning. This isn't the last time at bat. Now, God may come back tomorrow. That's okay. If I'm wrong, we'll shout all together. Praise God. I ain't going to argue about that. I'm excited. But the truth is I need us to understand that this right now, where we are right now, is not the end game. And the reason I know that is I can take you to Scripture. I can take you to Scripture. 1 Kings chapter 18 tells an interesting story about a man named Elijah. Who steps on the scene, actually the chapter before, steps on the scene uh, as the prophet of God in a nation that is absolutely pagan and has turned away from God. Ahab is in control. His wife Jezebel is constantly influencing the culture of the kingdom. The reality is they have turned from the one true God, and Jehovah, and they serve Baal, Ashtaroth, and all of the cohorts the pagan gods of the Canaanites and all of the people around them. At this point, God's judgment is being applied. In fact, Ahab is introduced to a very interesting judgment. Elijah says, Ahab, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain again. And then Elijah disappears. And the next time Ahab sees him, it's been three and a half years of no water, no rain. For three and a half years, the skies have turned to brass and the sun is beat down. The fields are turning to dust. They are burned over. They are no good. There are no crops. The reality is the animals are dying not just by ones and twos, but by hundreds. And they're doing everything they can to try to save the livestock. They're whitening bones, roast in the heat. And and the drought carries on and on. And Ahab is confronted once again by the man of God, Elijah. Elijah says, I tell you what, uh, let's have us a little showdown. Uh, Let's go meet on the mount called Carmel. And we will go up, you and your prophets and me... We will go up. We will prepare altars of burnt sacrifice. We will offer on those altars. And the God that answers by fire, He'll be God and we'll serve Him. You and I, many of you are very aware of the story. In fact, it's one of the most incredible stories in your Bible. Ranked up there with David and Goliath, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Noah and his ark. The truth is, Elijah gets on that mountaintop. He allows the heathen prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth, which are the, which is interesting, they are the Canaanite gods of harvest and prosperity and fertility. It's the male and female versions of like uh, 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 of, of these pagan gods, and they're supposed to bring all this prosperity and all this health and all this wealth and, and bring forth all this harvest, and they hadn't been able to do anything for three and a half years. And so these pagan gods, 850, or these pagan priests, 850 of them to be exact, gather around, slay the burnt, the the bullock, they put it on the altar, and they start crying and cutting themselves and doing their little rituals and their dances, and there's nothing. And Elijah's over there laughing. Why? I bet he's asleep. I bet he's already left. He must be on vacation. He's probably relieving himself. He's probably not even around. You might need to cry a little louder. That's Bible. That's not just me making it up. That's what the Bible says. And they just, they're doing all their stuff. And at the end of the day, the evening sacrifice. Now this ain't King James Version, but this is what he said. Elijah says, sit down, shut up. It's my turn. He takes the bull, puts it on the altar that he's repaired, puts the wood in order, puts the bull on the, wall, on the, on the altar, and says, I need something else. Something's missing. 
I need four barrels of water. Dumps four barrels of water. That's not going to work. Give me four more. I need four more. Twelve barrels of water dumped on this sacrifice. Now, two things we know. These people got to be thinking Elijah's lost his mind. Because the first thing, they know he's just eradicated every chance that fire is going to ignite the sacrifice. There's no way it's going to burn soaking wet. Second thing they know is he's just wasted 12 barrels of our most valuable commodity. We're in a drought and you've given God your best. That's not King James Version, but that's what happened. That's what he gave God what was the most valuable to him. He had already seen brooks dry up, but he gave God water. Pours it on the sacrifice and prays a prayer that's less than 80 words. Less than 80 words. We go to God and we think we've got to pray four and a half hours, beat our head against the wall, do cartwheels down the center aisle, and hopefully God will hear us. He prays a prayer less than 80 words, and the Bible says that immediately, whoosh, fire fell. What an incredible moment. They're, they're, they're blown asunder at what's taken place. They are, their minds are blown. They have never seen anything like this. They take the prophets. They kill them. They, they immediately say, you know what? We're going to serve God. And they start having a party. And, and Elijah looks at the king, this wicked king Ahab, and says, go ahead and get you some supper. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Oh, yes. Now here's the problem with that. Fire has fallen, but no rain has fallen. Three and a half years, the heat's been there, but the water hasn't. Okay? And yet he proclaims something in faith that he can't see yet. Everybody with me so far? You know what that tells me? That the proclamation of faith doesn't always immediately come with the fulfillment of faith. You ain't hearing me. Sometimes... God works instantaneously. We pray in Jesus' name and immediately they're healed. We pray immediately God works. But many times, if you've lived for God more than, I don't know, two minutes, you've probably figured this out. That sometimes, many times in fact, the word of faith goes forth. God said it, but where is it? We got the same problem that Mary and Martha had. Jesus, you're late. Jesus said, I'm not late. I'm right on time. Let me tell you, you serve a God that can't be late. He's outside of time. He created time. He can't be late. He doesn't know what time is. He just made it. Y'all ain't hearing me. And sometimes we forget that when God said it, in God's mind, it's already done. We're just waiting for the fulfillment of the proclamation. Okay, let me give you another example. Daniel went to praying and fasting. And for 21 days he fasted. And it was not until the 21st day that the angel Gabriel showed up. And this is what Gabriel said. I heard you your first day of praying. And I was on my way. But the enemy hindered us. Y'all ain't hearing me. You don't think this is a battle? Listen to me right now. God wants to know, will you pray through in a battle? Are are we just wanting instant gratification and needing God to microwave our miracle? Or will we pursue after it 
with faith, believing that the Word of God can never return void. Uh, so we'll keep pressing, uh, and we'll keep believing, uh, and we'll keep going, uh, because His Word cannot return void. So we need to realize something, that the proclamation came before the fulfillment came. The second thing we need to understand is that Elijah said it. Elijah called fire down from heaven. He proclaimed that there would be water or rain, and he still had to go pray. The Bible said he separated himself from the party, and he got into a, into a prayer closet with God. The Bible said he began to ask God. He began to pray and he began to seek the face of God. Church, listen to me. I'm thankful for what God is doing. But now is not the time to just stop praying, stop worshiping, stop fasting. No, my friend, we need to pursue. If the word of God's gone forth, we need to pursue. If the word of God said it, we need to pursue. Hey, we've had men stand in this pulpit who are not your pastor. It's easy for me to get excited and say, we're going to have revival. But when men stand in the pulpit that don't know the dynamic of the church, that don't know what everything's happening, who's new and who's not, that can say, you know what? God just said there's more. God just said there's a hundred. God just said there's... Hey, folks, I believe God wants to do it. we got to keep pressing. we got to keep praying. We've got to keep believing. The third thing you need to know is that Elijah and his servant go look for a cloud. And so that servant leaves where Elijah is and he climbs up to the highest point on Mount Carmel. And he looks north, south, east, and west. He looks all around him and guess what? No cloud. And so he walks back down the mountain and he says, Pastor, there's no cloud. To which Elijah says, oh, well, I guess I need to stop praying. God's word must not be true. To which Elijah said, well, go one more time just to make sure. And then if it's not there, we'll stop and go home. No, he said, go seven times. Now, now this is going to blow some of y'all's mind because when I saw this, it, it, it messed me up. The servant did not climb the mountain out of faith. Pastor, there's no cloud up there. The mountain's high. It's hot out here. And I've not had any water because you poured it on the sacrifice. So I'm hot, I'm tired, and now I'm cranky. And you want me to climb up a mountain in a bathrobe. Now I know y'all don't read the Bible like that. I'm weird. I get that. That's just the way I read the Bible. And this servant could have said all of that. But he said, I'll go obey more than I'll have faith. Did you catch that? Many times we come to church and it's easy to shout and get excited because Bishop Story stands up in here and says, I see a hundred. And then we come Wednesday night and go, where is it? And we come Sunday morning and realize there's only 45 in church. Oh, it's great. You see what I mean though? You want to know how you fix that? Faithful obedience. You just keep showing up. I tell you, it's not profound, but it'll help somebody today. It's just faithful obedience. It's hot. I'm tired. I don't know if I can make it, but I'm going to go up the mountain. I'm thirsty, but I'm going to go up the mountain. Because the man of God said the rain's coming. I don't know if it's happening. I haven't seen a cloud. 
that there's no cloud in the sky. But the man of God said God's going to work. So I'm going to have faith in the word of God. And I'm going to climb the mountain one more time. And another time. And another time. And another time. And if it takes me seven times, that's okay. I'm going to keep climbing the mountain. It would have been easy for him to go again. But it was the repetitive the mundane, just obedience to the word of God. And he keeps climbing the mountain. And finally on that last moment, the Bible says that he sees a little cloud. It's about the size of a man's hand. Just way off in the distance. The last thing you need to know is that all Elijah needed was a little cloud. Let me say it like this. All your pastor needs is another crowd of 62, 69, 45. Because I believe every time people walk through the doors, that's a cloud. Every time we have worship service and a move of God breaks out and people start coming to the altar. You know what? You may not see it, but I see a cloud. Just a little cloud, but it's a cloud. Every time we see somebody say, you know what? I think I need a Bible study. Hey, my friend, that's a cloud. The reality is all Elijah needed was just a little sign, a little breakthrough. Just a, it might have meant nothing to nobody else. In fact, it seems like the only person that noticed the cloud was the servant that was obedient and faithful. But the truth is, Elijah said, if we see a little cloud, that means it's a My microphone went out. That's okay. I don't need it. Praise God. The truth of the matter is, we are at a moment where the cloud is on the horizon for Calvary Tabernacle. The truth is, the cloud has just reached the horizon. And the prayers and the fasting of all that we've done, uh, all the pushing, all the believing for God to move, it's on the horizon. The forecast is in. The forecast... Go ahead. Just go back. You're good. Just keep your umbrella back there. Don't let it close. We've got to prepare for an outpouring. Amen? Amen? You know how you prepare for an outpouring? You pray. We're going to get Baylor his umbrella back. He's been waiting all morning to know what I'm doing with his umbrella. We got to prepare for a pour, for a downpour. How do we do that? We pray. Well, Pastor, I've been praying and I've been seeking God and I hadn't seen it yet. Well, get your umbrella out. It's coming. Well, this is so, this is so elementary. Pastor, we know we need to pray. Yeah, I know. But it's a good reminder to be reminded. It's time to be reminded that if we're going to prepare the chariot, if we're going to see the rains fall, we got to start praying again. That means pre-service prayer. That means special prayer meetings. That means personal devotion. Hey, my friend, let me say it like this. If the only time you're praying is at church, you're not doing it right. Oh, I'm sorry, that was meddling. The truth is, God's saying pray. There is no such thing as revival without prayer. In fact, if you study every bit of revival, we go back 300 years. Go all the way back to the book of Acts. Let's go back 2,000 years. You will find that every outpouring of God's Spirit always starts in a prayer room. Amen? So we got to pray. we got to prepare. Y'all going to hate me for this next one. But if you really want to prepare for revival, you're going to have to fast. Some things only come out by by prayer and fasting. There's some things that only happen because you say, you know what, I'm going to push the plate away and I'm going to get serious with God and I'm going to crucify my flesh and I'm going to say, God, I'm going to prepare until something happens. You know what you're doing when you fast? You're not twisting God's arm. You're twisting you to get into God's arm. You're getting you right. 
You're getting you submitted to God. You're getting you pre- prepared. You're getting, uh, Sister Ford, or Sister uh, Davis, go ahead and get your umbrella. You're preparing. Go ahead. You're preparing. You're preparing for revival. It's cloudy with a chance of revival. That means I'm going to have to fast. That means I'm going to have to do some things that are different. I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to sacrifice a little bit. I'm going to have to push myself a little bit. I've got to fast because Matthew 17 and 21 tells us this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Uh, some things we're going to have to battle in the spirit uh, in fasting. Some things we're going to have to attack uh, by saying, you know what? Uh, I just can't eat today. Uh, I've got to go forward in the spirit. Y'all ready for this? You ready? The next thing we got to do to prepare is study. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You want to know why that's important? Because you can't fight without a sword. Cloudy with a chance of revival. So now more than ever, we got to get into the word. Now more than ever, we got to get real with God. We got to let the Word of God challenge and change us. Hey, let me go ahead and say it. The Word of God is not meant to make us comfortable. The Word of God is make is meant to make us holy. And it'll cut on us at times. It'll make us feel good, but it'll cut on us at times. And we've got to be more than just hearers of the word like James says. We must also be doers of the word. Amen. We've got to study. We've got to seek God. Bishop, I'm going to give you an umbrella. You need a good umbrella. You and Sister Littlefield need a good umbrella. Get ready because it's cloudy with a chance of revival. Y'all with me so far? Y'all ain't going to sleep on me, are you? This next one's really important. In fact, if you don't get the third one of studying the Word of God, you're going to have problems with this one. Witnessing. I didn't say, I didn't say preaching. I said witnessing. Because some of us think that what we got to do is when we witness is we got to stand up on the lunch table at the school cafeteria and say, bless God, you're going to hell. No, don't do that. Trust me, don't do that. Just, just trust me on this one, okay? Probably not smart. You know what witnessing is? It's really easy. The word witness, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. You know what that word means? Ambassador. You're an ambassador. You know what that means? That means you represent Jesus Christ. That means you're a witness how you dress, how you talk, what you watch, what you laugh at, what you post on social media. Oh, I'm meddling now. I'm talking about it now. I'm going to say something here, and, and, and I hope nobody misunderstands what I'm about to say. God's been good to us the last few weeks, especially we've seen God do some great things. And I've watched as some of y'all have gotten so excited, you started posting on Facebook. Man, pastor tore it up. Bishop story tore it up. Man, this was a great service. Now, I'm going to say something here. Again, I hope you're not going to misinterpret what I'm about to say. I appreciate the kind words, but I'm not near as excited about kind words as I am about people are seeing what's happening at the Pentecostal church. Because you see, some of you, some of you, people know what you're going through. And then you start posting, Woo! I got blessed Sunday. Wait a minute, I thought you were struggling. No, I have been, but God gave me a word. That's a witness, my friend. That's a witness. That's you saying, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to let people know that God is moving in my world. That God is working. You want to know the best way you can witness? It goes simply like this. 
man, I know you're having a bad day, but let me tell you what Jesus did for me. It's walking up to a co-worker that's struggling, that's going through it right now and saying, can I just pray for you? I know God's able to heal your body right now. You know what a witness is? It's saying, hey, look what the Lord has done for me. I don't, have, I don't need a theology degree to tell a testimony. I don't need to be a pastor to, 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 to preach this kind of message. I can just tell you, hey, look what he's done. I, I remember when I was lost and undone and he set me free. I remember when I was bound by addiction and bitterness, but he made a way. I, I remember when I was sick in my body and yet God... God healed me. Hey, I'm going to prepare for some rain. Come on, JC, get over here with Jaden. Y'all hold that for a little bit. Woo! We're going to prepare because it's cloudy with a chance of revival. Y'all ready? I'm almost done, I promise. I hope I'm not tiring you out. Then you got to teach Bible studies. I thought that was part of witnessing. No, because some of you, if I started with teaching Bible studies, you'd have written me off. You'd have ignored me. The truth of the matter is, if we want revival, if we want growth, if we want God to work, then you know what we've got to do? We've got to make disciples. That's not pastor telling you to do that. That's Jesus. It's in red in Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you all the way even unto the end of the world. He said, go make disciples. He said, everybody look at yourself and say, I'm a disciple maker. If you're a disciple, you are called to be a disciple maker. And the truth is, it's time we start teaching. Y'all want to know what we're about to do at our house? We're about to teach a Bible study. You know who we're going to teach it to? Peyton. Because it's time for her to get the Holy Ghost. So I'm about to set my baby girl down at the table, and I'm going to teach a, a, a Bible study. Well, I don't know if I can teach Bible studies. Oh, if you've got a baby at the house, you can teach a Bible study. Y'all know what I did uh, Friday, sitting in my office? I taught myself a Bible study. I got my hands on a new Bible study. I, I, I've been told it works. In fact, Brother Wainwright talked about it Wednesday night. I said, well, I want to go through it. I went through it, and I said, I can't wait to use it. It's on my phone right now. You better watch out. You make a move to this altar. I'm going to teach it to you before you leave. Yes, I've had coffee this morning. We've got to teach and make disciples. We've got to prepare for the rain. We've got to teach, because you can't just baptize them. You can't just... Tell them to get the Holy Ghost. You gotta teach them and make disciples. You gotta walk with them and you gotta talk with them and you gotta get them through and you gotta help them out. And you got you know what? That's exactly what sounds like what Jesus did with 12 different people. Come on, Caper, you're gonna hold my umbrella. Can you hold my umbrella, baby girl? There we go. We got rain falling even in the back, right back here. Hey, it's cloudy with a chance of revival. Everybody stand, I'm done. We're gonna prepare for the rain. It's time to prepare. Calvary, it's time to prepare. It's time to pray. It's time to fast. It's time to study. It's time to witness. It's time to teach Bible studies. Really, there's another one. And to really illustrate what I'm talking about, I had to tell you a story. Because this one's vital. In fact, you don't have this one. You might as well close them umbrellas because it ain't going to work. You ready for this last one? To illustrate what I'm talking about, I'll tell you a story of an old country church many, many years ago from a rural community. Their livelihood was crops and cattle. And that summer, that had been a dry summer, one of the driest around for many, many years. And crops were withering. The cattle were scrawny. It wasn't a good time. And the preacher one day got crazy, got up at church and said, you need to be here next Sunday because we're going to pray for rain. 
And we're going to pray that God sends rain. We need rain. Our community's in need. Week went by. People were excited. We're going to pray for rain. God's going to work. Woohoo! Everything's good. They get crowded in there Sunday morning. Everybody's excited. They're, they're ready to see what God's going to do. <laughs> and the preacher stands to the podium after the first song. Surveys the crowd. And his countenance, the look on his face changes dramatically. He goes from smiling to frowning. He's mean mugging them. And people are thinking, what in the world is wrong with the preacher? Isn't he excited about rain? And he looks at him. He says, folks, I'm a little disappointed today at this crowd. Why? Because I told y'all we were praying for rain next this Sunday. Yes, sir, that's right. But I don't see any umbrellas. Ladies and gentlemen, if you really want to prepare for revival... You got to have expectation. If that word's too big for you, we'll use a biblical word. It's called faith. Sister Ford, that means every time you and I come to the house of God, it may be Wednesday night, but God's going to work. We're going to hear from God tonight. When we pray, Dad, every time we pray, I don't care how many times we pray for the same need, every time we pray, we're going to believe God's going to heal. Every time we teach a Bible study, we're going to come with expectation that somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost. Every time we witness to somebody, we're going to believe with our umbrellas that God's going to give revelation and God's going to work a miracle. Hey, folks, you can't have revival without your umbrella. We got to have expectation. So don't mind me. I've come to the house of God believing it's cloudy with a chance of revival. I'm going to see God work. I'm going to see him move. I'm going to see him work it out. I may not understand it. I may not even feel it right now. I may be down and out right now. I may be going through it. But I brought my umbrella because today may be the day that God pours it out on his people. That God does a work. That God heals a body. That God saves a soul. Is there anybody that's got a little expectation in the house? Anybody believing it's cloudy with a chance of revival? Why don't you lift your hands and lift your voice? And why don't we begin to thank God for what he's doing? Come on, he's working in alto. It's cloudy with a chance of revival. Come on, church. There are souls that are going to be saved. There are bodies that are going to be healed. There's lives that are going to be changed. Come on, it's, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening all over this place. Jesus. Come on, let's worship him all over this building. You might need to step out of your seat in faith. You might need to get used to moving to the center just to say, hey, I'll scoot over for that guest. You might need to do, hey, come on, we're just going to worship him this morning. He's already working in the house. He's already blessing. He's already taking care of some things this morning. We're just going to believe him. We're going to believe him. It's cloudy with a chance of revival.